In the name of the Father and Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today, يعني, I'm going to try to unpack the prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ in Gethsemane, the prayer of agony. And uh, actually, one of the things that you will see that almost every single detail that we want to know about Jesus, we find it in the Old Testament. There's only a small piece and the new, and then the rest is in the old. I'll give you a couple of examples and then we'll go through the prayer. Like for example, today we saw, uh, tomorrow we'll see that the, the soldiers took the vinegar on a sponge and put it on a hyssop. And they fed our Lord Jesus Christ. If you actually go back to the Passover, you will see our Lord commanded Moses to make the marks of the blood on the doors with a hyssop. It's the same, the same hyssop that was used to shed a certain blood for a sign of salvation, that what happens also tomorrow. Even Psalm 22, which is amazing psalm, and like, you know, like when you look at the details of the Old Testament, it's so hard for you to think this is made up. Okay, look at this psalm. It says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning, my God, I cry in daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and I am not silent, but you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Tells them, my strength is dried up, and my tongue clings to my jar. You have brought me to dust of the death. For dogs surrounded me, the congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hand and my feet, count all my bones. They took, they look and sta stare at me, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothes they have casted lots. How can this be an accident? The detail of the life of our Lord Christ is all hidden in the Old Testament. And we approach the prayer of agony, the prayer of Gethsemane. We're going to talk about six stations quickly, because that's the whole prayer. But every detail is hidden in the Old Testament. And it's really mind-blowing when you go through it because it opens our hearts. So let's start with the first thing. It says, And he came out and went as it was his custom to Mount of Olives. So God started his prayer in Gethsemane. Where? Mount of Olives. What happened in Mount of Olives? If you go back to the Old Testament, this is when Absalom rebuilt against David. And David ran away to Mount Olives. And David was old, and he was a great king who have achieved so much for the people of Israel. Until today, the star of David is a sign of pride for the nation of Israel. So David ran broken-hearted because his enemy was his son. His own enemy was his son. And as he was walking, somebody cursed him. And told him you're a dog and he said yes God let you curse me if you go through how David ran away you will get a glimpse of the walk between mountain olive to the Gethsemane which is at the bottom of mountain olive our Lord Christ was betrayed and David was not only betrayed by his son because Absalom didn't like his father really but more importantly, he was betrayed by Ahithophel. 
Ahithophel was a special counsel to David. He trusted him, treated him well. He made him one of the highest counsels in his whole nation. And what happened? He betrayed him. And when his counsel failed, he hung himself just like Judas hung himself. So the feelings of what our Lord going through, he can capture part of it in Psalm 3, when it says, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me, many they who arise up against me. So much disloyalty in that Psalm. A king who did wonderful work for his, his people, betrayed by his own son and his own counsel. So let's go through quickly the six stations. The first one that happened in the, in the Gethsemane, we'll see it in Mark 14, 34. It says, and he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watching. You know, our Lord Jesus Christ talks a lot about how he was grieved. And especially the grief was related to the betrayal of Judas. But this is really not about Judas as a person. It's about every single soul that was chosen by God and turned their back on God. So all those people who left the faith, you know, like the hardest thing you can hear that somebody left the faith. It's the saddest day of a household when somebody, when somebody leaves God. So what's happening here is that God is not only sorrowful for Judas, but for every soul that was chosen, which is all humanity, and turned their back on the Lord our God. Then what did he do? The Bible says he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. You know, I'll tell you guys something. It took me a while to, th to think about why he took Peter, James, and John with him. Think about it this way. Our Lord Jesus Christ took, him, took them with him. And what's happening? Be like, sleep. Uh, stay up. Don't sleep. Jesus goes, comes back. Stay up. Goes and come back. Stay up. Why is Jesus doing this? It would have been just, you know, he should just enjoy his prayer and just forget about these three disciples. Okay? But why did he keep going back and forth? You guys remember the psalm that we have read today in the sixth hour? It says, there is no one to pity me. There is no one to share my anguish. The reality is this stress and sadness was not only because of those who left the faith. It's because those who are in the faith and like John and Peter and James, are sleeping in a time where they need to pray, in a time when they need to walk with God. That's why Psalm 55, which expresses the feeling of Lord Jesus Christ, says, I'm restless in my complaint and severely distracted because of the voice of the enemy, because of the pressure of the, of the wicked. My heart is in anguish within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. So our Lord Jesus Christ is sad, fear, distress, because of, the, of all humanity. 
those who left the faith and those who are in the faith, but they act like Christ is not important to them. Second station, look what happened here. It's a really interesting point and you have to pay attention to it. What did he say? He says, initially Jesus took Peter, James, and John, but then he separated himself from these three about stone throw. And Jesus took James, Peter, and John with him. And then what did he do? He says, okay, I'm leaving you. I am going to go alone about the stone throw. A stone throw, it's not a rock throw. Stone throw, yani, it's probably somewhere here. I could, you could see him. You can probably hear him. Why, why did the Bible say this? I'm going to read to you a verse from Genesis, and that would help you. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go and worship, and we will come back to you. The moment that Abraham said, I can no longer take the two servants with me. Because if they see what I'm about to do to my own son, they're going to think I'm crazy. So what's happening is, God told the disciples, you have to leave now to turn all our eyes to the anxiety and the pain that Abraham and Isaac went through. Imagine with me, God told Abraham, go to a mountain that is probably a three to four day journey. Every day, this man is full of anxiety. The Bible says that Abraham believed that God will raise Isaac from the dead. Great, but is he gonna raise him immediately? Is he gonna raise him in a week? Is he gonna raise him in a month? Does he have to go back to tell Sarah the news, which she probably should kill him, right? And then have to come back? What would happen? The amount of pain. Why is this important? Because this reveals, imagine God himself ordered Abraham 2,000 years to offer his son so that we may get a glimpse and the prayer in Gethsemane. What's happening? It shows you how God, how this prayer, this moment was not just a moment of time. It's a moment that is above the time. Actually, if you think about it, obviously there's a lot of feelings that would go between uh, Abraham and Isaac. And we, you heard a lot, of, a lot of that about today and the, the, the little fraction that we pray today. But you will see that Isaac was not a passive victim. What happened with Isaac? The Bible says that Isaac carried the wood. It means that Isaac was old enough, old enough to run away. Old enough to tell his father, this is crazy. But Isaac was submissive to the most dangerous commandment that was ever required of a human soul. And this is what is going on in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ at this moment. The father looks at the son and the son submits to the will of the father. That's what's happening. The third station is, the Bible says Jesus knelt. But actually in one of the gospels, it said that he fell on his face. He was not just doing like a small matanya. His whole body was on the floor. And this posture is a posture of extreme submission to the will of God. There's actually a story 
about somebody who was far away from the church and he had a problem. So somebody told him, why don't you go visit Pope Prolos? But he went to the cathedral, they put him in a room and he's trying to, you know, waiting for Pope Prolos to come. Pope Prolos apparently took too long. So he started opening some random doors. He opened a door and he saw Pope Prolos flat on the ground. And Pope Prolos told him, how did you enter here? Our Lord Christ is going through the most painful time. And in his prayer, he shows full submission before what's going to happen next. Before he talks and prays about his own anxiety. Look at the fourth station, which I want to spend more time on because it's a beautiful one. It says, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. First of all, there's nobody in the scripture, especially in the Old Testament, that calls God my father. This is unique to our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he allowed us to enjoy this blessing. But then, what is exactly the cup he's talking about? Is it simply a cup of suffering or something more? Look what it says in Isaiah. It says, pull yourself up, pour yourself up, arise Jerusalem. You have drunken from the Lord's hand the cup of his anger. In Ezekiel, you filled with drunkenness and grief a cup of horror and desolation, lamentation. Actually, the cup he's talking about is a cup of punishment. It's not simply a cup of suffering. For every sin committed, for every thought, evil thought came through our head, for every deed, God has to pour his punishment. And the cup that Jesus is going through is a cup of punishment. That's why the Bible says he became sin which is something that blows my mind away. Like in the, in the Greek mindset, they have like usually an idea called like, it's, a, it's an abstract idea. For example, we say we're all human, means we all share humanity. If you say something is beautiful, it means there is an abstract idea of beauty and all comes from this idea. If we say there is sin, it means there's almost as every evil, every evil element is related to the abstract idea. And Jesus took that cup. I kept thinking about what does it mean that God become a sin? And it's almost impossible to comprehend. That's why the pain that he felt continues to be a mystery. Continue to be a mystery. What's our Lord said, maybe this is important and I'm going to say things I, Yanni, forgive me for. He says, if you will pass this cup, what is Jesus asking for? He says, God, I submit to your will. Father, I submit to your will. But can you pass this cup? So what's happening here? Jesus knows he has to go through it. There's no way out. But what Jesus is doing, he's doing something beautiful. He's actually, even though he knows the outcome, the outcome is a rejection of Jesus' prayer. That's the outcome. But what's happened here? 
the beautiful, there's a beautiful song that we prayed two or three days ago. It said, what does it say? It says, plead my case, O Lord. Whereas our Lord Jesus Christ is doing, he's pleading his case to God the Father. Yes, I know the outcome. Yes, I know rejection is coming. Yes, I know I have to carry the cross. But I am pleading my case. I am sharing my pain with you. If you want to carry the cross, it's not about the outcome. It's about the encounter that happens at the moment when I reveal my pain to God and tell him, plead my case. Defend me. Be my lawyer. Give me another chance. And then the, obviously the most beautiful part of the prayer when he said, not as I will, but as you will. This, uh, this is really important. The fact that I go through difficulties in life and I know the consequences of it and I continue to go through it, this is difficult. Like, look back to the example of Abraham. Abraham, definitely, he was going crazy in those three days. Definitely. But one thing about Abraham, that he kept going. He kept going even though things did not make sense. There's so much worries. What he's about to do is in absolutely insane. But he kept going. And this, what expresses submission to the will of God. I know if I say the truth at work, I will harm myself. But I'm going to keep going. I'm going to plead my face to God. This is what God is doing to us. Fifth station, which is really beautiful in Luke 22 43 it says and there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him after the prayer what happened an angel came to what strengthen him by the way in the Old Testament if you want to see what was going through our Lord Jesus Christ you can look at Elijah when the angel came to strengthen him when 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 Daniel was was weak and the angel came to strengthen him but why is this part important for me and you because even though the prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ was rejected, but God still supported. God still sent an angel to say, I am with you. This, by the way, this is for us. Our Lord Jesus Christ is God. But for us, even if my request gets rejected, when I offer, when I offer my case to God, he will show me that he's with me. And that's the beauty of encountering God in the time of difficulties. The last station, the last sixth point, it says, His sweat became like drops of blood. And actually, there's a big issue with the word like. Is it mean actual blood? Or it just, he was sweating like blood. Okay? So, and there is some medical condition where people could sweat like blood. And one of the fathers said something beautiful. He said, when somebody reaches a state where they're sweating like blood, their body usually faints. But our Lord Christ did not faint. He've gone through the same pain and the same suffering. Why was our Lord sweating like blood? Look at Genesis. Then 
To Adam he said, because you have heeded to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat it, you shall eat all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles shall bring forth you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. Look at the verse coming. And in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you turn to the ground. Our Lord Christ, in the last station, he was sweating like blood because the curse on Adam was to work with his sweat and go back to the ground. That same ground would become holy with the blood of God. Every day you wake up to work and you don't feel, um, I feel like going to work or I don't feel like the burden of the day. I remember this, the sweat of Christ have already blessed the ground. And he already carried all the difficulties that comes with work. Actually, I was reading, um, I'll do a small confession to you, but I was reading earlier this Lent, a beautiful uh, story with one of, one of the saints and her father of confession, and he was telling her during Lent, it's actually good when you eat, think about the suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I tried to do this for one day, and I couldn't. It was so difficult to eat while thinking of the suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ. And think about this. How would my day look like if I plead with God my case? And if, if I remember his sweat that blessed all my pain and all my suffering. There's one thing that is so beautiful about what our Lord showing us. God says, look, the devil will make you suffer. But I will be there in the suffering to encounter you. Regardless of your pain, your suffering, your discouragement, I am there to encounter you. But I must present my case to the Lord and glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.